Hello, citizens. Welcome to LIW John Frankenheimer Review, Episode 8 for Playhouse 90, 120, The Comedian from 1957, written by Rod Serling, which is why I've done this in the past, just in the reverse order, where we did a Twilight an episode that Rod Serling wrote, or, or a movie that he wrote. For instance, it was um, uh, Seven Days of May. And, but I threw it on the feed for this, because, I think it's episode one, actually, because Frankenheimer directed it. So it's a Rod Serling Frankenheimer thing. Uh, this time, since I've kind of canceled this show, but not really, we're just not going to do it live on a consistent schedule. I'll just do it when the fuck, when the fuck ever. I, we did it on Twilight Zone, uh, so it's episode 282 of that, but it's going to be episode 8 of John Frankenheimer Review. So it's same thing, it's just a little bit of a preamble for me on here. Um, I do want to say watch this. It's free on YouTube. Look up this episode, Playhouse 90, The Comedian. You're going to watch it. You're going to like it or you're going to hate it. It's people yelling for an hour and 12 minutes. But it's really well shot and it's really really well acted, even though it is very over-the-top acting. I do like it a lot. I gave it a 7. Dick gave it a 7 as well. It's solid. It's not amazing. It's not going to blow your mind. But it is definitely worth the watch. And it makes you appreciate this is a live TV episode. The fact that they did this live is fucking incredible. And it's about doing live TV. The, the, the plot of the episode is about that. So it's interesting. I, it's a little meta, but not in a way that's like over the top Charlie Coffin way, which I also love, but not, not you know, bad mouthing Charlie Coffin at all. I do love him, but it's not, it's not calling the fact that it is commenting on itself. It's, it's just, it is what it is. You watch it. It's a drama about family and, and coworkers and, and, integrity i guess is what you would say it's about definitely watch it i've never seen a playhouse 90 that frankenheimer did um actually i think this is my first playhouse 90 in in total so i really really enjoyed it i i have to say it like that uh, not everyone it's not for everyone but I, I i enjoyed it dick really enjoyed it and check it out it's on youtube for free Go to LAWstudios.com. Check out Lloyd Tugger Wonderland on YouTube. We do Twilight, LAW Twilight Zone Review. We do B-Movie Battles slash Nick Cage Cast. And we do LAW Anthology Series Review, which we review random anthology series every week. Live shows galore, two a week. Check them out. It's a lot of fun. Join us for the conversation. But until, you know, that's all I got to say. So check out this episode. It's going to start right now. It is going to have a little bit of Twilight Zone talk, a little, you know, because it is from that show. So we just did four episodes in a row. So deal with it. All right. Bye. That's why when Frank brings something up about an episode or Adam, when he used to do that back when the fuck was alive, he, I'd be like, oh no, dude, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah. you don't know. I was like, dude, this is episode 282. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. And this is podcast number 12, 1247, this episode right now. Or 1248 on the Frankenheimer feed. This is a dual episode. Yeah. So let me set set it up by saying that. This is going to be a dual episode. If you're listening to the Frankenheimer one, I just rambled on for, for three or four minutes by myself setting it up. But if you're on the Twilight Zone one, welcome. Um, this is Rod Serling Scripts 1957, Playhouse 90, number 120, The Comedian, directed by John Frankenheimer, which is why it's a dual show. Um... I don't know. I'm Phoenix West. How are we doing this? Dick, dick it. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of weird. I don't usually do that intro, but let's play it. Let's play an intro. Yeah. Um. Fuck it. 
you're entering the vicinity of an area adjacent to a location. The kind of place where there might be a monster or some kind of weird mirror. These are just examples. It could also be something much better. Prepare to enter the scary door. Bordering in Wonderland, the Twilight Zone review. I already did the intro, so I'm out of order now, and I feel weird. Welcome to the show. So, Playhouse 90. Was, this is from 1957. That was crazy, hearing that and how they said, um, Rod Serling, who's a, a young writer right yeah, now. A young up-and-comer, a young whippersnapper, Roderick Serling. <laughs> Who wants to eat some sirloin? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He's a non-smoker, and he's going to be around for a long, long time. He's a non-smoker, and he loves Jack Led Sr. Oh, God. Or the 85 uh, version, Haskell Barkin. I have that note written no. down still. <laughs> Both those guys. What did they do to your your, your name, Rod? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I've never seen this episode, obviously. I've never seen any of the Playhouse 90s that Frankenheimer's done. Uh, this is a, I think a first, have we done an episode of Playoffs 90 before? I, maybe, I, I think we did. I don't believe so. Did we? I, maybe we, well, you know what, they I all run like together did. again. Yeah. Did we? I feel like we did one. Maybe it was that, that, um, the one with the guy that made dummies for the. No, that was Suspense. Okay. That was my first thought too, but I feel like we, maybe we did one. Um, what was, um. Oh, it was uh, uh, um, uh, the one about the advertisers, the marketing company. Uh, no, Ross no. that was a movie. Patterns. No, Patterns, that one we watched was not that. That was a different oh. version. So, yeah, this is our first one. Okay. Oh. Uh, Patterns was a, a Playhouse 90 episode, I believe, or one of those we, shows. We watched that one, didn't we? Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah this... I, liked it. I liked it better than the movie. Playhouse 90, I voted this, I, I t- retitled it, People Screaming, the movie. Yes. It is a lot of that going on. Non-stop People Screaming, mostly Mickey Me- Rourke. Or Mickey. Me- Mel <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Wow. Not you, Mickey. you, I fell in love with a woman. Mickey Rooney. She's, she's going to be my wife. Man. You fell in love with a woman. So did I. It's my turn. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. Yeah, Mickey, Mickey Rooney is just screaming in everyone's face. And there's no, I mean, it's, I like the concept of what the movie, what, what it's about. Because oddly enough, I wrote a screenplay that was very similar to this. I didn't realize it. Interesting. Interesting. But um, it was, um, it, it was fine. I, I kind of was in and out because I was doing other things while it was on because I had to r- rush to watch this. So I was making yeah. dinner, took a shower, and came and watched because it. it was just running as on a loop I pictured basically. you with your laptop on top of the shower rod, like awkwardly oh, shit. wobbling against Mickey. the wall. Give it to him, Mel Torme. Give he, it to Mickey. Try, you got a splash hand up just in case it's the laptop. <laughs> yes. I don't want to get to. I don't want to get the how the drive mess wet. up the servos and you rub it. Oh man, I can't can't plug in my drive to. I mean, my alleged drive to watch these alleged shows. On a thing. But apparently the, the premise of the show is the Sammy Hogarth comicular is like the biggest show on the goddamn planet. Yeah. It is the like, most important yeah. thing ever. 
He's a huge star. And there's 7,000 jobs on the line, and everyone wants to scream over each other to get that across. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's interesting. It's like if SNL, like someone spiked their cocaine back in the seventies with with a uh, like LSD, and everyone just lost their fucking mind and they're running around like ah! like that's what it felt like in the beginning. It's frantic. It's, it gives you like anxiety. You wrote that f- that first joke. The small house is terrible. <laughs> hey Kong, and the guy's giving him a massage. Kong, yeah. why don't you go back to the jungle, Kong? Where's your handler? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's okay. As simple as I can set it up, I don't want to go into too much detail because it really is just people yelling at each other. Yes. Sammy has this show. He's the comedian. His brother Lester is his writer for him. It's played by Mel, Mel Torme um, from Looney Tunes fame. He and the Seinfeld episode where he thinks Kramer's a retard. Yeah. And there's also his uh, Sammy's head writer is Al, played by Emma O'Brien. Which again, this is why I wanted to do it with Adam. Because Adam loved Edmund O'Brien. But, fucker died in us. As well as Edmund O'Brien. No, but, basically, Al is really under pressure from Sammy, constantly being yelled at, that he has to come up with a better opening opening scene to, to his big comicular, which I've never fucking heard that word before. Yeah, I was saying, I was like, is that is that supposed to be a funny joke? Is the title of the show like comicular? It's funny, right? I guess I, I, funny word, but it's like comic and spectacular combined. You get it? I don't yeah. know. But Al, but, it reveal it's revealed because Al's talking to his wife in his office, and it's like basically husbands disappointing their wives. The movie as well, because his wife's in his office, and he's like, he pulls up these secret scripts from a drawer. She's like, is, "Aren't those those scripts written by that one guy?" And he's like, "Yeah." I just like to have him around, you know, just to look at and to keepsake sentimental value. He ends up using that script as for a scene. Um, and then Lester finds out because he finds the script and finds the original guy's name on it and wants to stop Sammy from doing it. For some fucking reason, Lester is very, very upset by this. My biggest problem with the script of this episode is it's all resolved by a phone call. When Sammy yes. finds out this truth, he goes, hey, we're doing this as an ode to that soldier who wrote this who died in the World War II. Okay, bye. That's it. That would have solved the entire episode. Communication. Yeah. It's like a sitcom. They're just not communicating. Well, because the whole crux of it is he stole jokes from a dead man. And if it got out, it would be like a big controversy, but really it wouldn't because Mickey Rooney like makes the phone call saying, yeah, it's a dead soldier. Make it in his memory. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. And that's the end of it. And that's, if they did that at minute 20, this whole thing could be avoided. No. Because it goes to fucking crazy links, this, this movie. It's, it's an hour long or an hour and 12 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Hour uh, 12. Playhouse theater thing. I call it a movie because it's a movie. Lots of, yeah, it's, basically, it's, a, it's a movie. Yeah. It's 72 minutes, so there you go. Yeah. But Lester... That's a movie. Lester uh, forces Al to drop the script, drop the sketch from the show, the opening opening sketch. And he's like, if you don't, I'll reveal all this, and you'll be out of the business, because Al's basically on his last leg with Sammy. And then Lester's wife um, 
leaves leaves him. His his wife's name is Julie. She leaves Lester because he can't get Al to, to drop the sketch, and won't he? Because Al doesn't want to admit that he stole the sketch. And then Julie leaves Lester, and then as she's leaving him, because Lester's very subservient to his brother Sammy for no fucking reason. That's the whole point of his character. Um, Julie admits that on their wedding day, Sammy approached her and and. Doesn't say, like, things a lady won't repeat. Basically said, I'll fuck you. Let me fuck you. I really want to fuck you. I thought he was, she was going to say, she raped me. <laughs> I was going to say, holy shit, this is dark. But it didn't go quite that route. Yeah, it's... But she's yelling this at him. Like, yeah. you piece... He tried that. That's your brother. That's the guy you won't betray. And I'm like, bitch, maybe you should have told him this. That is pretty uh, relevant information to how he's going to react to his brother. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't, but still, th- at this point. <clears throat> and then, uh, I mean, it wasn't, um, I didn't realize that was his brother. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't know that was his brother. <laughs> Mel Torme, his brother. Yeah. Mel- his brother was Big Rooney. They, yeah. look, they look pretty similar, though. They know they could be brothers. Yeah, it's uh, Lester Hogworth and sh- Sam- short son of a bitch. Sammy Hogworth. Oh. Um, there's a scene where Emin O'Brien goes and tells his wife everything because she kind of knew about it, but he admits to it, and he's so overly dramatic where he's like, yeah, falls on the bed, and he's like, yeah, you know I took the script. They won't, ca- I can't cancel it. Ah. And she collapses too, and she's they, like, I they, love they you. Do, they do this all the time, so yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. People steal material all the time. That is Hollywood. That's what they do. Yeah. Well, stealing an idea is different than just your entire script with cross off one guy's name, put on another. Amy Schumer did it. They proved that. A script or a joke? A joke in like a whole whole script. That's a fucking lawsuit waiting to happen. But I mean, shit. Carlos Mencia has an entire career based on stealing jokes. But you get called out. You get called out eventually and shamed and can't get Oh, no. You get shamed and destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, So that's why he doesn't want to, you know, have it come out. Because it would ruin Sammy's uh, career. That's what they said about, uh, uh, what's his name? Uncle Milty. Milton Berle. He was a notorious joke thief. That guy would rob your whole act and give you a hundred bucks for it and say, fuck you, go away. I paid you. you know, you're done. You don't have a case. This is go back away. when in, in the stand-up scene, you could be fucking gangster. Yeah. Like stealing that, like Sinatra would just buy songs and shit. Like buying this, buy. <laughs> so, somebody posted it on Facebook, this comedian friend. She goes, I don't think we're going to do, I don't think comedy clubs are going to exist anymore or the theater anymore. I think we're just going to be doing things on, computer and tiktok and blah blah i was like i don't think that's gonna happen people need to go out and see shit they, they can't do it from their homes to go crazy yeah that would be awful you need to go out in a in a, in a crowd setting to watch a movie or a show. here's why that'll never happen people love the drink in clubs yes and that's the other thing yeah and there if it went away it would be back in a few years yeah and be back to normal People love and, to drink and in public. Next generation would just would be all about it. Yeah, that's like saying live music's going to go away. Like, no, people well, love yeah, to drink and people yeah, love to play. No. It's as long people as there's are. both sides of those equations where people love to perform and people love to drink, you're fine. But you know, the worst part of that, though, fucking egg, James Cameron is going to come out a winner again because Avatar Two is coming out, and I bet you a hundred bucks 
that's going to be the next billion dollar movie is Avatar 2, where he brings the box office back to life. And you're just like, motherfucker did it again with a mediocre movie, which is going to suck, but it's going to make $2.3 billion because the Chinese love it. I, at this point, I have a, um, as a Tool fan, and I kept going, they kept going, Tool, we're really going to release an album next year. Like this, this coming year, we're getting really close. Like, Maybe in 16 years, whatever the fuck long it was, but yeah. between albums for them, I don't think Avatar is usually going to come out. At this point, I just have to believe that. Well, I think it's coming out next year. Well, great. I've been hearing that for 12 years now. So what the fuck am I supposed to well, do? Well, if they weren't so busy doing their perfect circle stuff, the perfect circle jerk, they'd probably focus on a Tool album. I'm fine, because I, I prefer the new perfect circle album over the new tool album yeah but that's just me but i like perfect circle yeah i love the i think i'm more perfect I, circle I like perfect circle more than tool i don't yeah. know yeah i like some tool but all the tool songs sound the same especially the new album it sounds exactly yeah. like uh the lateralis it's the same fucking everything i'm like oh i didn't need this at all turns out i want all right um Okay, so where the fuck Nel are Torme. we? Uh, Admiral O'Brien losing his shit on the bed with his wife. Yeah, he, he freaks out and he goes, wait, where's Lester just called? His wife is missing. And then he had a conversation with Sammy before who said he's going to the some house he's spending 140 grand on, so he better visit it. He's like, that's weird. You're meeting a lady there, aren't you? Then he realizes it's Lester's wife. And he's like, oh, fuck. And he, he kicks Sammy's face open. There's like a door. With Sammy's face on it for some reason. And kicks that fucking thing through. And I was like, why does he have that door? Because I thought he was yeah. at his house. Like, why does he have that? <laughs> I'll pull He's up the clip. eccentric. Let me pull up the clip if I can. And I was like, why does that exist? I would not have that in my house. City and- oh, there's our old-timey spokesman. Oh, I love it. It's so, so 50s. I do want to show they're they're being over dramatic, overly dramatic here. I'm so glad I live in the time that I live that I could go back and watch things from 1957. You know, you have the right. ability to watch all this shit. Here's that doorway though. We see it in a second, but this is the one he kicks open. I can't find that scene. Now let me tell you something. I make him famous. You understand that? See that door frame back there? And I give him a job doing absolutely right. nothing at all, and he's famous. I even get him girls. I get him yeah, girls. Sammy's girls are not good enough. Well, let me tell you something right now, Buster. This show stays the way it is this year, next year, next week, week after week. Do you understand? He looks like um, that midget that was in UHF, uh, Kenny Baker. Yeah. Or, or, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Kenny Baker. It was um, the other one. Oh, fuck, what's his name? He was in Will. He's in every okay. movie as a midget. Here's that scene where he's being overly dramatic where he collapses on the bed. I love this. Here he goes. <laughs> okay, ready? He just admitted that he stole the, the script from, from uh, the, the dead soldier. That was to keep on his head writer. His head writer. Oh! What a brain and brain and refused to admit. <laughs> That's the trouble with the lesser bodies when they follow in the orbit of the great stars. They just keep following and following and following. It, this is pretty good considering this is all live TV. And I love the fact that they did a live TV episode about a guy who does live TV episodes. That was interesting enough to me. 
Because Frankenheimer has done stuff like this later on in his career. Like there's scenes yeah. in Manchurian Candidate where they're doing the, 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 the conversation to the media. And you kind of see it in the background. But here's this scene. Okay, this is what I want to show. What a hunger you've got, little man. What a hunger! Oh, yeah! You could tell there's a guy off screen just going, catch that door. <laughs> Great. Great over overly dramatic scene. Do you think Rod Sterling had a giant picture of himself on his door? <laughs> no. In his house? Like smoking no. a cigarette? He had a giant pack of cigarettes on the, on the, on the yeah, wall. It was just a cigarette. It was <laughs> a Chesterfield pack. This is Oasis cigarettes. That makes me feel a lot better. So he goes to Sammy's place. Uh, his wife, Lester's wife, Julie, is there. Um, he's like, why the fuck are you here? And she's like, I came to talk to Sammy. And she's shit-faced. I came to talk to Sammy so Lester could get him to cancel the script and not do that opening scene tomorrow. And uh, and he's, he's like, ha! And throws water in her face, and she's completely yeah. drenched. And it looks like it's like a cum shot because it the does. water is white. It's like creamy. It's weird. It's like, oh, my God. Because I think it's the makeup she's wearing. The droplets are sticking. It's Vaseline on her face. It's glycerin. Yeah, it, it's gross. It looks like she got you just jizz in her face. What? Why are you whore? Yeah. <laughs> No, it gets grosser when it cuts back to her. Yeah. That's, when, that's when they Let's stuck all that back shit. Then. He's going out of his mind because he loves you and needs you and wants you back. What do you think I'm here? Like I don't... Look at that. Jesus Christ. But she... her hair. Her hair. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's like big old blots of goo. It looks it. like Ugh. seven or eight dudes visited. It's so gross. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the cut scene there. You took a train? You took a train? <laughs> you get back at him, you whore? I thought you told me you took the train here. I didn't realize you got here, then took the train. Oh, my God. We're talking about <laughs> dicks. <laughs> Let me collapse. Do you have a bed I can collapse on? Oh, lots of pictures on it. I need that. Uh, so she admits, she's like, I, uh, I came here to fuck him. I, w- I want to fuck him. And he's like, oh, don't do that. Everyone who fucks him is, like, miserable after the guy's a sack of shit. And she's like, okay. She gets up and she's like, let's go home to Lester. My second run, my runner up husband. They leave. And then the reporter who's been writing shit about Sammy the whole time, like sneaks out of the bushes where it's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, what are we watching? I got you now, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And the, act, the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the actor is, uh, is William Shatner. I love this reveal of the reporter, though. It's so dramatic for no reason. <laughs> the shadow knows. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of the bat. Remember that Dow Hour yeah, yeah. Mystery the Bat episode we did? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so it'd be funny if Al is like, let's go. Let's not bang Sammy. Let's get out of here. And then he bangs her. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know if he did or not. I do we don't, yeah. Um, immediately we see the newspaper uh, where it says, like, brother, can you spare a wife? And it's talking about Sammy and, and Lester. We start to see the rehearsal. It's a goddamn nightmare. Everyone's screaming. I'm just going to fast forward because I don't want to talk about it. We see Sammy in the back afterward reading the newspaper, and he's freaking out, and he's yelling more at Al, who fires Al. 
because Al admits he stole the script. But this is when Sammy does the... This is how long the conversation is. This Okay, let me actually play the scene because... This is all it needed to be. To fix this entire plot of this 72-minute thing, here's the phone call. Stolen material? You do a thing like that for I me, I have the only copies in existence, ah. and they're, they're destroyed now. The only other person that knows is Lester. Lester? Only Lester? Well, well, buddy, this is one stink you're not going to spray on me, kid. Helen, let me talk to Bob Quine. Hello, Bob. Uh, listen, uh, you're my public relations man, right? Well, look, make with the relations. Look, on tonight's show, we're going to do a couple of sketches. They aren't art material, you understand? They belong to a kid called Davy Farber who was killed in the war. Right. And, uh, look, uh, we're doing him a sort of a salute, you know? As a salute and a tribute to him. So you see that it gets better. And give it to, uh, see that Otis Elwell gets a scoop on it. Don't argue with me! Get it printed! That's it. Yeah, that would have been fine. That's it. You would have saved yourself 25 minutes of screen time. He could have saved a marriage, um, saved this guy having his fourth or fifth heart attack from the looks of it, and a fucking stroke and an aneurysm and all this shit, and then... Just like patterns. Maybe saved his career if he just came out and said, hey, we got... Oh, let me change the banner. I didn't do that. There we go. Oh! Now it's better. Much, much better. <laughs> yeah, I feel, feel good now. Now I don't Woo! want to talk about it, though. Uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. So, um, we're almost done. Uh, and That's then we fine. see the Sammy Hogarth comicular. And it looks fucking awful. It's literally Mickey Rooney going, like, standing there going, whoop doo 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 Squirting out water from his mouth and going, I'm a waiter. And everyone's like, ha, 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 He's the funniest man I've ever seen. I do want to see him do the... Just the water out of his mouth thing. It's so... Oh, no, you gotta show the part where he beats the shit out of Mel Torme. Oh, and they think it's a joke and, and everyone's laughing. That'll be in a moment here. That's amazing. Because he just wallops on Mel Torme. Okay. I think it really hits him a few times. Yeah, here's the water out of his mouth thing, which the audience thinks is hilarious. <laughs> I just can't watch it without laughing so hard. Oh my God, that's oh, this looks like the worst fucking show in history. Is he supposed to be like Eisenhower? Like he, he's dressed up like the president. I don't know, but yeah, here comes. Here he is. Here comes the beast of the shit out of Mel Torme. Mel Torme shows up. He's not supposed to. But it coincidentally is when Mickey Rooney is just like, my brother Lester, let's talk about him. Oh, here he is. And he plays it off cool. And then Mel Torme punches him. This reminded me of uh, uh, Scrooged. Uh, of uh, The Doors? Scrooged. Oh, I was thinking The Doors. I just want right. Bobcat to show up with a shotgun and tie them all up. Can't get, get me higher. That's it. You're never coming back on S.O. ever again. <laughs> and get doors. that. Get that one guy who gets tied up in a, in a chair. Then yes, the one the, woman the comes over and kisses actor. him. The, the woman with all the bandages movie. comes over and kisses yeah. him under the mistletoe. <laughs> R.I.P. Dick Donner. So I guess I was reading 
on IMDb Trivia. Uh, let me read this real quick before we get into this. Um, according to behind-the-scenes documentary on the production, one day Jack Benny wandered into rehearsal of a scene where Mickey Rooney has to belittle co-star Mel Torme. Benny actually tried to break up the argument, not knowing they were just reciting dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> See, Jack Benny cared. Because watch. <laughs> that one on that shoulder landed. Yeah. I mean, is this a shoulder hit? But, like, that landed. And then it cuts away, and, yeah. And this is live TV. Yeah. This is all shot one take. He's really hitting them. Yeah, but that looked like a fucking fight. <laughs> Which, yeah. It's it's Mickey Rooney, though. But it's also Lester, as Mel, Mel Torme is Lester. So it's like, yes. that is a fight nobody wants to watch. Mel Torme <laughs> could take a beating. It's like when Screech tried to do boxing, the celebrity boxing. Yes. You're like, nobody wants to watch you beat up Bonnie, Donnie Bonaduce. No, the other way around. He uh, beat the shit out of Donny Bonaduce. Oh, that's what it was. I, no, I thought, okay, that, no. Yeah. No, uh, Danny Bonaduce beat the shit out of Greg Brady. Okay, so who did Screech? That's what it was. I don't know who Screech fought. Screech celebrity boxing. Who did Dustin Diamond fight? Dustin Diamond's first punch knockout. Horshack. That's who he fought. Yes, yeah. that's right. Who was 63 when he fought him. <laughs> <laughs> and still alive, but Dustin Diamond's dead, which is still news to me. I, oh, that's right. I forgot he's dead. Yeah. I, I, the other day, I'm looking him up. I'm like, wait, what? I had no idea. Yeah, cancer. What, what a bitch. Yeah. Um, where the hell are we? Um, yeah, they fight. Um, that's it. Last scene. Uh, Lester goes yeah. back and talks to Sammy. Um, but yeah, they're after the show. Sammy comes out, makes a joke out of everything. Lester, and he's like, hey, Lester, right? And he makes makes some guy's new head writer. But he's talking to Lester, and he's like, come on, brother, let's go back. And then Lester's like, sorry, I'll, I'll be back later, honey. And he goes with his brother. And then I love that shot, yeah. though. Yeah, it's the wife, The wife's face the, walking around, and you can tell she's so pissed off. Like, fuck it's this. good ending because he goes, he walks there, and they close the door on her. It's kind of like the Godfather ending almost. Yeah, it's just this shot where you they're all in the background. He's married to his brother, basically. I don't know why there's samurai music. Oh. I'll see you later. It's okay, honey? Yeah. But this shot coming up here, this is why I love Frankenheimer, this sort of shit. That looks bad. This right here. <laughs> this is live TV. Nobody <laughs> else. Nobody else shot it like this. He's laughing maniacally in the background. <laughs> You're all right, kid. Look, but don't ever step out on the stage again on me. You understand? That's the end of the episode. It has a really downbeat, bummer fucking ending. And it made me appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, well, I think the ending is what saves the episode. Yeah, it's... Okay, yeah. so let's back up a bit. We're done talking about the plot. We're almost done. But let's talk about the shot, like, Frankenheimer-wise, because this is also a Frankenheimer review. So, I love the look of this episode. It's a, way too much of the close-ups, though. I don't know if that was... Because it was on live TV and they had to like hide, move shit off screen. 
It had. I think they had something to do with it. Yeah. But he his movies don't look like that. Only sometimes, like a character would turn into a close up. But that's it. Very minimal. Well, I feel. I feel like the setups are he has to keep uh, one continuous shot every segment. So it's like. You're shooting it live, yeah. So you're going to move the camera at this point in the dialogue, and then keep it on her because she's walking away. Because it's kind of jarring because it kind of goes as it's kind of following her away from her. You know, it's not on tracks. It's probably some guy on a trolley pushing the other guy out of the way. Yeah, it's it's very. You'll you'd see the tracks if they were laid out. So there's no tracks. No, no. This is this is a guy. This is a guy being pulled. He's in some kind of wheeled chair thing being pulled by some guy. I mean, they had those giant TV cameras back in the day. They probably just pulled them back, but it's pretty solid for. Yeah. And the fact that he has the, because the camera starts on this side of the wife and then she turns and the camera has to go over here. Yeah. You couldn't do that on those TV cameras back in the day because the wheels just went one way pretty much. Yeah. So the fact that they did that was, was incredible. And, he did a bunch of Playhouse 90 episodes. This is the first time I'm watching it, and yeah. I really enjoyed it, yeah. Well, a lot of these shows are very similar, I feel like. Like, even the Richard Donner, like, you watch Richard Donner <clears throat> episodes of the same kind of thing. He moves the camera just as much as Frankenheimer does. Wow. I think he had no choice. I'm on the... how do you make it interesting? I'm on the Playhouse 90 Wikipedia page, and one of the sections just says John Frankenheimer. Oh, wow. And it says, between 1954 and 1960, John Frankenheimer directed 152 live television dramas. A- an oh. average of one every two weeks. Wow. <clears throat> That's so, insane. So, yeah. The man was well adept at doing them by then, because this is three years later. So He's the Lorenzo Lamas of directors. <clears throat> yeah. Like, that's incredible. But That's insane. This is my first TV, not my first TV, but he did a lot of TV movies. That's why he wasn't that scared of doing TV movies later in his career. He's like, I've he done must TV. have been paid big money. Yeah, like TV money in those days was probably fucking just as good as movie money, maybe even more. Probably more. Yeah, because shit, if you're working every two weeks, holy shit. Yeah, fuck it. That's crazy. And the fact that it's live is got to be very stressful. Which is probably why he's a huge asshole to most people. <laughs> like. That's a Maybe. stressful fucking job. Like live TV every yeah. two weeks. Like modern TV directors show up and they go, all right, we'll do this. Everything's already set up for them. And they leave and they're fucking Rolls Royce. And then yeah. that, there's no stress at all in their life. But this, yeah, live TV has got to be totally different. Well, it's like, well, uh, like the, it's the three camera sitcom system where a guy, the director comes in, camera one, camera two. Camera three. Okay, it's good for the day. Yep. I'm leaving. Good night. Totally different now. Computers change everything. I saw that on Big Bang Theory. That's how he directed it. It was the same shit. Well, that, and Mike and Molly, same setup. Yeah, I watched Drew Carey live, and I'm like, this is. Yeah. The, I saw the director go into the studio, yep. and that was like two hours before the taping. You had to sit there for a while, you know? And then as we're leaving, someone with some friends that were visiting, I walk out in the parking lot and I go, there's a director. And he gets in his, his BMW and just drives away. And he's yep. really like, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> well, they're there all day, though, because when I was on. He probably came back from break and then started recording the episode. Well, yeah, but... yeah. No, he, they have a dinner break. Yeah. Because when I, I, I did uh, Big Bang Theory and Mike and Molly, it, it was on the soundstage at Warner Brothers. And the extras, we were brought in. 
and they take us out. But the director's there all day, so they were doing rehearsals. But literally, they do rehearsals for maybe 20 minutes, and they go, okay, next scene. Okay, next scene. Okay, bring the audience in. We're ready to go. Yeah. Like, it's like five hours work tops. And it's so easy. It's just like, wow. Yeah. These I mean, guys got it made. Fuck it. I, I don't begrudge them anything. Like, No. If you can get that job, it's cushy for a reason. People want those oh, jobs yeah. for a reason. Like, it, and it's I, all I get money. It. It's all money. Yeah, I don't. I mean, nothing but money. I, yeah, I, I would take that job in a heartbeat. So I get it. Every uh, the 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 studio parking lot right outside the, the uh, soundstage, it was basically million dollar Tesla, million dollar Tesla, million dollar Bentley, million dollar Rolls Royce. It was like holy shit, yeah, all hybrid, you know, all state of the art. Well, like, this was oh, I saw that in what, when we were in film school, so two thousand five, right before we moved, yeah. I think maybe two thousand four, yeah. And it was the last season of Drew Carey show, and then uh, like Dana Gould came out and was like doing our little audience warm up. He's like. This episode will not air on TV. Uh, it does not. It's not picked up yet. But go ahead and act like it is. It's <laughs> like okay. That's funny. Yeah, it, it was. It was fun, but yeah, TV back then. Holy shit, the live. Well, I yeah. can't imagine, and, and and the length is what's crazy. Yeah. Nowadays, when they do a live show like this, it's a big fucking deal. Like, yeah, because like, they're doing those musicals live now. Every yeah, it's it's so easy. It sucks. I hate them all. I can't watch them. I, I think live TV is, is a gimmick and it's all bullshit. Yeah. But Drew Carey it, did it as a gimmick. He did his yeah. live show as a gimmick. Well, I was, yeah, that's fine. He was doing it because he was kind of doing a throwback. Yeah. The and man he had loves ad libbers, you yeah. know? Yeah, you got Ryan Styles. You can do whatever the fuck you yeah. want. He, uh, Ryan Styles was so yeah. cool. Yeah. I, lo- I love him. But uh, anyway, um, I love the shots in this episode. There's too many close ups, there's too much arguing. To the point where you're like, shut the fuck up, Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Like, like I'm so fucking sick of your voice by the end of this. Mickey Rooney is a dick. <laughs> yeah. It's my name for this episode for a reason. I didn't even see that. He's so annoying. <laughs> He's so annoying. Yeah. But he's, and then he ends up being in Twilight Zone, what, four years later as a jockey? Last night of a jockey. Yeah. The infamous... Uh, like I watched that on my Blu-ray set. The infamous commentary where he goes, they don't want to talk about this. The, kid, the audience doesn't care. They want to listen to sexy things. <laughs> you, got, you got to watch that and isolate the audio on that one. I so could, we can have that audio down standby. Yeah, I could definitely look into that. Um, yeah, I think you should. Because it's, it's a notorious commentary. Because... Mickey Rooney is just like a curmudgeon old man, and he's just like, nobody fucking cares about this shit. Why are we even talking about it? Fuck you, I'm old. It's like, oh my god. He lost his mind. Hold on. Do you have it? The younger audience doesn't want to see this. The younger audience doesn't want to see this. That's who's watching this. No, it isn't. They're, They're watching... Things. Now the kids are watching this. This that's why we're doing this. My kid is nineteen. He know, would have been with me, but he's back at Berkeley. This is what ki- kids are watching. That's why I want to oh, set up the context of. Well, I I hope that the, the youngsters are watching this because it's very interesting, filmatically. Filmatically. Well, I think not thematically. Filmatically. Nobody <laughs> said actors were smart. <laughs> 
Yeah, there you go. There's that. There it is. I, 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 I thought I had listened to that. Turns out I haven't. Once I heard that, I'm like, no, no, I did not hear this. Yeah, that's awesome. He just loses it. Yeah, that's great. It's just like, oh my God, calm down, Mickey. Yeah. Too bad Shatner never did a commentary for a Twilight Zone. Yeah, I shocked. You, you'd think, you know, that that was a big part of his career because he was you know, he got Beaumont, uh, did the intruder with him. He's did a lot of stuff at like offshoots of, of Twilight Zone, really. Yeah. You'd think he'd be a little bit more giving in that direction, but I guess he just doesn't give a shit. Oh, we he's all too, know Shatter doesn't give a fuck. He, he's That's not a surprise. He's Priceline commercials and writing tech war novels. I love the fact that he's in Priceline commercials that have a storyline. <laughs> yeah. Where he dies and comes back. And, <laughs> and, his, and his, his daughter is um, Kaylee Cuoco. <laughs> so weird. Anyway, um, overall... I did enjoy it. I gave it a seven. I wanted to go higher, but I just couldn't. It was just too the same throughout it. Everyone just screams at each other. But I did enjoy yeah. this story, even though I thought it could all be unraveled by a simple phone call, which it was. Yeah. <laughs> like. That's a, yeah, I give it a seven. It was, it was. It's good. I'm glad. It's, it's good. It's a good, solid drama, and it works. And I like the ending, and there's a lot of good performances. But it's just, you know. Over the top fifties, they're acting, but that's what you you get when you watch these old playhouse shows. Yeah, especially Rod Serling. Uh, that's what makes it kind of fun is the over the top acting. There is some good dialogue in it. Like I love a lot of uh, <clears throat> what's his name's dialogue. Uh, Evan O'Brien's dialogue in the beginning, where he's really quippy. I, I did enjoy yeah. a lot of that. But by the second, by I'd, I'd say the third of the episode, the first third is that. And then they lose that, and it just kind of mm. dries out from there because it's about resolving all the tension between all these characters. Yeah. But I don't think it deserved the tension like Seven Days in May did. Yeah. Or one of those kind of scripts, like or a Requiem for a Heavyweight, something like that that Serling did, or, or Frankenheimer directed. He didn't direct right. Requiem, but... You know, not the best script, but pretty solid. Just kind of one note. That's my biggest complaint. Well, he was writing a shit ton of stuff in this period, so he and he's probably thinking of the Twilight Zone at this moment too, saying, "I want to do a show based on these short ideas that I have for you know sci-fi. Do a sci-fi show because you can get away with it. You can get away with more commentary on a sci-fi show because people won't take it seriously." Well, shit. When was that one episode that we did that was like the first version of Twilight Zone? Oh, it was um, it was the um, Les Desi Arnaz art hour. Whatever. Yeah, what year? Fifty eight. So year after this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. he's yeah. he's kind of doing his own thing, trying to figure out his own path. And this is Rod Serling. All right, let's get Bubaloo! out of here. Okay. So, um, liwstudios.com for me. Loitering in Wonderland on YouTube. Well, you have to do, actually. This is the episode where you have to have I know. the outro. I know. I got it queued up. Yeah. All right. Until next time, and in the meantime, I'm Phoenix West. Dick to cat. So long, citizens. Now our government outro. Citizens of Wonderland, rejoice in the fact that we have covered another episode on the podcast. Go to liwstudios.com for more videos and podcasts. Subscribe to Loitering in Wonderland on YouTube. 
Check out the Indie Sports Garb podcast and Way Off Topic Radio. Search on Amazon for books by Richard Pierce. Until next time, and in the meantime, we are Phoenix West, Frank Lynx, and Dick Dickett. So long citizens. All hail glorious conformity. All hail our glorious leader. Shut off the fucking podcast now.